on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown, it was a big week in college football news, and we dive into all of it. Name, image, and likeness. The NCAA Football Oversight Committee recommending a six-week practice period before any games are played. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby's comments from the week. Those got Teddy a little fired up. Just a heads up, you're probably going to enjoy that. We have our first guest. Yes, a guest. And it is Super Bowl champion Blake Bell. Yes, the belldozer stops by for an interview. We talk about the Chiefs' playoff run to their win over the 49ers in Super Bowl 54. We talk with Blake about the beating his liver took for the weeks after that big win. Andy tells us why he signed with the Dallas Cowboys in free agency. We finish off this episode with some segments. It's a Friday, so you know we have to wet the beak and talk a little gambling. We give you guys our winners and losers of the week, and then we send you into the weekend with keeping it local and answer some of your Twitter questions. Now, we are really focused on putting out great episodes right now. We appreciate all the people that have already showed interest in sponsoring portions of the podcast. Just a reminder, our presenting sponsor would be featured with an ad read right here, as well as being featured on the podcast artwork on all the major podcast platforms. And the presenting sponsor's logo would be displayed in the corner of the entire YouTube video posted of each podcast. And if you haven't seen the YouTube videos, go check them out. They're pretty cool. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Friday, May 1st. Now, we are recording this on Thursday night. Dusty, are you happy? Are you, Very happy. Are you, are you happy? You, it's Thursday oh, yeah. night. This will air, though, on Friday. It's a Thursday, uh, Friday. I love it. it yeah, perfect. Uh, I, we hope all of y'all survived the onslaught of Justin Timberlake memes that we all just went through. Uh, and I'd also like what? to congratulate everybody. Uh, we did it. We made it to May. April 2020 is gone. And I, I hope to forget it for the rest of my life. Guys, is April 2020 the longest month of all time? I think it's the second longest month of all time, right behind March 2020. <laughs> I felt like March yes. went on forever because we started off, everything was kind of normal, and then everything ended up getting canceled and it drug on forever. But uh, yeah, I think these last two months, both of them have been incredibly long. Ridiculous. They have. The difference, though, I will say, is at the end of March, I was far more pessimistic on the outlook than I am as we depart April. So as long as April was, I felt like when 
when the world stopped when Rudy Gobert got coronavirus, I was a little freaked out and didn't know what the hell was going to happen. I still don't know, and I'm still a little freaked out, but I feel better, and I feel like we're getting more information and better news each and every day. So as long as April was, I got to tell you, I am fired up and ready for May because I think it's going to be one hell of a month. And the last thing I got is, what are you talking about, about Justin Timberlake memes? Where was I? What? What's going on with you're, Justin you're, Timberlake? Okay, you're joking, right? You can't be serious. I, I mean, you're, what? I watched, I watched the world tour you, of Trolls. We rented oh, that for $19.99. Yeah, Hell of you, a movie, by the way. You and a bunch of other people, it raked in a ton of money, by 100 the way. 100 mil in 19 days, no but, big deal. Are you familiar? You're familiar with Justin Timberlake's early work in the uh, the band In Sync. Uh, this would not be the Dick in the Box from Saturday Night Live. Not <laughs> no, that. no. Not that. Oh, okay, no, no. not not. It, it, it's not Dick in the Box. It's um, tearing up my heart. Possibly. Could you re- could you remind me a little bit? I'm having a hard time. Maybe if you sang it, Gabe. Um, what is that? How does it go? It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. Something like that. Yes. Okay. I like that. All right. You take me back. Okay. So, so the Justin Timberlake. No, Jesus. The Justin Timberlake meme. So they have a song back in the day. In sync had a song called "It's Going to Be Me," but it 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 said it's gonna be me. Hey, it's gonna be me. Yes. Yes, so oh, when okay. Justin Timberlake sings it in the song, and that's why it's such a popular meme. God, you're old. It's such a popular me- meme because he goes, it's going to be May. And it sounds like <laughs> it's going to be May. So every year on April 30th, you, you, your, your timeline on every social yes. media platform just gets flooded with memes of Justin Timberlake. Ted, are, is it just me or are you – simultaneously thinking about a young Gabriel Iker doing the dance moves to NSYNC, because I guarantee you he thought he was Justin. 100%. Here's the thing. You 100%. and I were old enough to think that NSYNC was the corniest crap we've ever seen in our whole entire life. <laughs> I was not Gabe, a big NSYNC fan. <laughs> however, was young enough to maybe think that the girls liked it and it was cool. Oh, it was. It was definitely cool. <laughs> what do you mean? No strings attached. That album, straight fire. That album. <laughs> you guys have to be okay. First of all, no, celebrate I'm, not their you're, you're, I'm not kidding you. I did. I thought so, we were getting know, straight to college football talk, but we're going to talk this out, boys. Teddy only I, listened to death metal growing up in Fort Gibson. Okay, I mean that's it. True. Okay, it and now it was not in his truck. I promise. I have a question. <laughs> Did, if you didn't like In Sync, did you like the Backstreet Boys? No. no. <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? I can't believe uh, these are real questions. How much? How much money? Hey, my wife it, loves In Sync. Okay. Loves Justin Timberlake. Same here. Same here. My wife does too. Yes. <laughs> okay. Are, are you, you guys done with your in, sometime, Gabe? Are you guys uh, done with your In Sync slander? Because yes. I don't think that. Is it bad that I can still name the five members of NSYNC? It's, yeah. it's actually yeah. – bad would be one word, but I would say um, – I, I would say the better word I would use uh, would be obvious that you could name them. It's obvious. Okay. 
I, yeah, I would have I mean, definitely known that you could. And I, your I, street cred totally flatlined whenever you said "No Strings Attached." That album, <laughs> it was good. Anyone my age would agree. And some people thought you couldn't be a fan of both. I liked them both. Millennium, that album from the Backstreet Boys. You kidding uh, me? I want it that way. That's a jam forever. I don't care what y'all say. You're not bullying me. If we did like a graph, Ted, you know, we, we watch a lot of graphs of, of coronavirus and different things. There's up, there's downs. If, if we're doing one of Gabe Eichert, he's on this trajectory, Ted, like this right now. His cool factor, likability out there. He's all over social media. And right when he said that, and this thing drops on uh, actually Friday, it's going to do this. This, Ted, is the – is what the curve looks like for what just happened there for young Gabriel. So now, I've got a I've got a graph for you if you would like. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show you. A you graph. can see this on the YouTube version of this podcast. <laughs> it, it, says, it is a He's Venn diagram. <laughs> it is a Venn diagram that says Backstreet Boy fans on one side and NSYNC fans on the other in the middle crossover section of the That's Venn right. diagram. <laughs> Just says Gabe. I love that. I, I didn't so understand good. why you had to pick one. They both were good. It, it makes perfect sense to me. I love right. that we're 15 minutes in and we're on A. <laughs> yeah. I blame myself, but this is what I love about this. Okay. Oh, this is let's, so good. Let's get this back on the rails. I did not anticipate an in sync talk, but here we are, people. Um, now, before we get to our first interview ever, guys, Blake Bell. The Bell Dozer is joining us for the first interview in the history of the Oklahoma Breakdown. We know why most of these people are here listening, and that's for college football news and talk. And holy shit, did a lot happen this week in college football. Where do you guys want to start? I feel like the biggest story is name, image, and likeness. And the recommendations that came out from the NCAA Board of Governors Working Group, but it, it, let's let's start there. I just love how Gabe said, "Where do you guys want to start?" When he is the one that put together this beautiful rundown. That's <laughs> you know, it's not like I mean, we could just go. But I appreciate you asking us. Yes, I would love. Sorry, Gabe. It's yes. fine. I'm getting. I'm. Be, I'm going to be serious got, now. Yes, you're right. Our, Let's go. As our friend Kelly Gregg says, you got to have skin like an armadillo. <laughs> That's right. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Kelly Gregg no. with a one-liner. No way. Widest, widest back. I think I've seen outside of Larry Allen. I played against Larry Allen. He was as wide as two humans. Uh, Kelly Gregg, a close second. A close second. Larry Allen blocking <laughs> Kelly Gregg would be the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd pay to watch it though. That'd be fun. I agree. Okay, it is a we, Friday show, so let's get weird. Why not? But uh, name, image, and likeness. Yeah, uh, if you live under a rock, maybe you haven't heard, but uh, a working group from the NCA Board of Governors has made a recommendation. Now that recommendation will get revised in August. It will get re-revised in October, and then it will be voted on. The final form of it will be voted on in January, and basically it allows student-athletes to receive compensation for third-party endorsements and opportunities such as 
social media, business, uh, personal instruction, personal appearances. Now, we're still not getting the damn video game somehow because apparently group licensing deals are just too difficult. But I feel like this is a step in the right direction, guys. And I was able to talk to Jay Billis yesterday, who is kind of, it, it seems like, the face of the name, image, and likeness debate. And the, he made it clear, the NCAA still controls this. It is a step in the right direction, but he fears that there's still going to be more restrictions put in place. Now, the NCAA keeps using, or the NCAA and you know people in these decision-making positions keep using the word guardrails, which I find extremely interesting. Because guardrails, right, it's supposed to protect you. But I also have never seen a guardrail that's not beat the fuck up. Whether True. it's concrete it's or metal. Point. I mean, guardrails, they serve their purpose, but those things, they get roughed up. There's no doubt. So it's going to be really interesting to see, did the NCAA do enough to get state governments to back off. Because don't lose sight of the fact that that's why this has happened. This is not the NCAA being proactive. This is them responding to pressure from the state of California, the state of Florida, many others that have put legislation in place, guys. Did they do enough to get those people to back off? Hey, man, yeah, look, here's the deal. Yes, was the NCAA put into a corner by, you know, politicians, yes. But you know what? A lot of laws have to change for that to happen. So let's not get too hung up on that. Look, the NCAA, they're trying – they don't want to do this, but it is the right thing to do. So let's just go there. That we're finally to a point where Ted and I were doing radio a long time ago. Ted, you know that we talked about this years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking seven, eight years ago, almost exactly what's finally coming to fruition. So. I mean, there's been a push for this from, for, uh, for a while, and it's finally happening. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I get what Jay's saying, but I'm not going to get – when we finally see progress, I'm not going to complain and say, well, it's not quite as good as we want. I think that some of the legislation that I read, the five bullet points that they put out, um, I thought that those were all reasonable. I really do. I, I, you know, because I think the, the two main things that I think people need to know about this, number one, this is not money coming from schools. So I think that's the, the misconception, is that schools are going to pay these players. And I think people hear this, they say, all oh, these greedy players, they already get a scholarship. And we do. And let me tell you, I got my good degree sitting right there on the wall. I know the value of an education. I appreciate it. I come from a family. I would not have gone to college had I not been able to earn that scholarship. So believe me, I understand it. Um, the reality is the money that's being generated by the sport, okay, it, that, that scholarship, it's, it's, it does not, it's not enough, right? And so this is finally a way that not schools pay, but that outside entities, advertisers, businesses, as you referenced, Gabe, social media, you can endorse these student athletes. And it's not just football, basketball. It can be anybody. It could be a gymnast. It could be a great softball player. And it, all it is is a way for while they're in college to be able to monetize off of their image, likeness, talent. 
That's it. And what I like about the rules and one of the main things in these guidelines that were just released that will be voted on in January that we all expect will be approved was you can't have the name or image of the university anywhere in the advertisement, nor yeah. can it be mentioned. No so let, let's just say it's uh, Spencer Rattler. If he's going to be on an advertisement, it can't be Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler. It's Spencer Rattler. Um, and, and that is, you know, that was one of the things I think that that's good for all parties. And I just think that we finally got into a place that has been pushed for for so long. And do I think it's going to be perfect? No. Do I think there's going to be some flaws? Absolutely. But at least finally, once this thing gets approved, some of these players that truly are able to generate additional revenue for themselves, they are now going to have an avenue to monetize on that. And for me, Ted, that makes me happy. That makes me very happy. No, I mean, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of good about it, right? Whenever you are a superstar and a university or a conference or a, a, a league is making a ton of money off of you, should you get a piece of that action? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the thing that I'm worried about is already there's people that are looking at this and trying, and I know it's one of the, the guardrails is no university or booster can use it for recruiting purposes, but I mean, really, there's no I, way. I, I mean, how, I mean, how is that not going to happen? Right. I mean, it's, it seems like to me, it's going to turn this into uh, um, a slush fund for recruiting purposes, because at what point, right? What, at what point can you not uh, make money off your likeness? Like, is it before you enroll? You know, are you, are you not an amateur if you're a recruit? I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's, there's some interesting lines in there, and it's not going to be perfect right away. We'll figure that out as we go. But uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity for the stars to be compensated for some of their star power. You know, the backup left guard who's all excited about this, uh, this ruling is not going to make any money off this. He may sign some autographs somewhere, but um, I don't know. I, I do think that uh, people taking advantage of it for recruiting purposes is one worry. And the other thing that I wonder, like, let's say you're Trevor Lawrence and you've got a big following. And all of a sudden on your Instagram, right, whenever you put content on your Instagram that gets a lot of people to pay attention to it, which then gets a lot of uh, advertisers interested in using you, which I don't know if you guys saw the article today that said he could make 500K this year uh, off of his Instagram and Twitter alone. And he should. Um, Right. The thing I wonder is, Great so if, hair. if you're Trevor Lawrence, do you say, nah, you know, actually, Clemson, I don't want you putting out any uh, social media post of me. I want all of the social media stuff that goes out to be through my feed, through my Instagram feed. So I do think there's something interesting there because these universities have capitalized off social media, right? They're constantly pumping out stuff of, of their star players, you know, practices, game day stuff. I wonder how much of that the guys are going to start saying, no, 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 I don't want you putting that stuff out of me. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, and Dusty, the interesting thing you said, I, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure – that one of the things they can do is they can use their name. They can say 
what sport they play and what school they go to, but they can't use any of the trademarked things from the university. So, for example, Creed Humphrey could be like, hey, Creed Humphrey, I play football, I play center at Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, he can say that. I, I believe you can mention your name, your school, and your sport, but you can't use any of the logo or trademark th- stuff. So I, I'm interested to see how that gets balanced. I, I really think this whole thing is going to be very much social media driven. I don't think all of a sudden businesses in college towns are going to start throwing just huge wads of cash at 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Because remember, and one thing we lose sight of is if you get one of those kids to represent your business, what happens if that kid screws up? How does that reflect on your business? Do you really want a 20-year-old kid, 21-year-old kid, carrying around your brand's reputation? Now, also, I think something that could be a benefit of this whole thing that maybe people aren't thinking about is some of these football players, basketball players, whatever sport, they will try to be on their best behavior. They will try to be the model citizen of their college town. Coming in. Exactly. So it, it could work in a in a positive direction like that. Let so me ask two things. Oh, go ahead, Dusty. Okay, so I'm looking here. This is from Dan Murphy. Came out uh, Wednesday. And these are the – there's five bullet points that I see here. I'm going to read you number two. Allow athletes to make money from advertisements. Athletes would be allowed to identify themselves as college athletes in advertisements, but would not be allowed to reference the school they attend or include any school marks in the advertisement. Based off that, it's saying you could say you're a college football player, but you can't mention the school. I think I understood it differently than that. It says, but would not be allowed to reference the school they attend or include any school marks in the advertisement. So I'm not exactly sure. I don't think it's that that big of a deal. It's not a a big deal. Um, And what I would say to the the other part of that is, I don't know. I, I, I really don't, but I... I think in a lot of these small towns, a lot of college towns, football is bigger than life. And I, I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that in Manhattan, Kansas, somebody that's been there going into their junior or senior year that's played really well, if there's a local business that would want to take one of those players and have them advertise for their school, uh, advertise for their business. And I guess, and and maybe this is naive of me, but my thought is at least this is something above board that kind of gives other schools a fighting chance that if you don't want to dip into those waters and let's say for, and again, tell me if I'm off because I've just thought about this and I don't even, I don't know if I truly believe it could work. I'm just kind of hopeful. Maybe this is a bit something that happens, but like, if instead of being the, I don't know, 20th best player at Alabama, and obviously you can maybe get whatever you can get, you know, below board, but above board, you're right. You're not one of the stars. That advertising money is going to come. But if a senior at Oklahoma State, they knew, well, 
he's big man on campus at Oklahoma State, and he's got advertising deals there locally. Well, maybe you can't get that at Tuscaloosa, or maybe you can't get that, you know, in Baton Rouge. But you could be that guy on a smaller campus. Is there any chance that that is a way that entices players maybe to go somewhere that they wouldn't have because those opportunities could be at one of those smaller schools more so than it would be at a bigger school? That may be naive to think, but I'm hopeful because we talked about the inequities that really there's there's the haves. I mean, college football currently does not have a lot of parity. We went through the ACC, the Big 12, the SC. I mean, it just doesn't. I guess – a crazy part of me is hopeful that this maybe uh, allows a little bit more parity and maybe some of these schools can get some players that they previously could. I think there's a possibility of that. I, here's what I think is interesting. So does there have to be a, a written contract for your, um, for your likeness that you're getting compensated for it? Well, they're going to be able to get an agent uh, for marketing. Like, th- that's one of the other things. They can hire an agent. Now, again, so long as the agent doesn't seek professional opportunities, yeah, I mean, that, but so, yes, right. I'm guessing if you have an agent, there's going to be contracts. And you can do that, but I'm asking, do you have to, and do you have to prove that? Because I guess I my know. thing is, like, um, I may like to go to Mahogany Steakhouse, okay? Who doesn't? And, well said. <laughs> you know, they may want to comp my meal. Because they like having a well-known quarterback or whatever in their in their place eating, because people like to see famous people when they're out. I mean, right now they can't do that. But is that going to be something like they can go to a bar and get their drinks comped? It, and people is can, that yeah? Is that considered just an endorsement now? I mean, because that's what it is. You're you're off of your likeness. They want you there. That's why they would comp that. So. I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's some good stuff that can come up of it for sure. Um, hopefully that we don't see it come off the rails and it does stay between the guardrails, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, some, yeah. I, I, I'm not so sure it's going to stay between the guardrails. I, I think there's some state governments that are going to be very motivated, although they're probably pretty busy right now with this whole coronavirus thing. But uh, I think there's going to be some state governments that say, Nope, this isn't enough. It's not enough. And they're going to keep pushing legislation through. Because remember, the whole point of this thing is the NCAA wants those states to back off and they want to basically have Congress put a law in place that all that applies to all the states. The NCAA's whole argument is that it's too difficult for there to be 50 different laws for this in every state. I mean, which is kind of silly. Though. You but, don't, I mean, I don't think, I think it has to be, there has to be an overall umbrella that we're operating underneath or else then you really will have things will be skewed big time. Does it make thing, it though. more convenient? It, sure. But I mean, we have different commerce laws, speed limits, all kinds of stuff, state by state guys. But, but here's the thing the state of California getting involved and then Florida following suit is it's a toothless tiger. It's not illegal to pay an athlete for his likeness. What happens is if you pay him for his likeness, he is now ineligible to play in an amateur sport. So it's, there's really nothing. These, these 
states have really no say in it. They're trying to get the NCAA to change their their model, but the NCAA model is amateur sports. So, like, if you pay a guy for his likeness, you're not going to jail. It's not illegal. You can pay him all you want. You know, it's your money. And if he tell that to those basketball guys, right? But here's here's the thing, though. You you you're now ineligible under amateur athletics. So that's kind. I don't know. It's um, it's a. I think they're eventually going to change, but if they change too much, guess what, boys? The NCAA is irrelevant and doesn't even need to be around. Right. So that's going to be why they fight it. It It's going to be really, really interesting to see how this progresses. Uh, I'm sure all kinds of college athletes are going to keep their eye on it. Just imagine how much money, you know, it's in the state of Oklahoma, some of those softball girls could make. You know, hitting instruction, some of the gymnastics. I, I mean, they well, could. I mean, that, that's they could cash right in. There. Okay, if let's say you're Trevor Lawrence, and Clemson has their summer football camps, and Trevor Lawrence is saying, "Well, I'm going to do a football camp," and which you can do. I mean, camps, he, clinics, right. private instructions, and part right. of it is part of it. From what I read, I mean, you, you could chew up a serious amount of money that the those colleges make for their camps. So. Uh, yeah, but I'm, yes, you're 100 percent right. Um, I don't. I haven't. Been, I've never been to one of those. Uh, do, do players go out there and run those camps? It's usually coaches, right? Usually coaches, but sometimes and, and, the players pop in. I guess if I, I don't know, that's that's one of those things that's probably you know governed by a compliance department in one way or another. I like that though. I mean, I just know there's a lot of college kids uh, that are on scholarship Division one athletes that really don't have any other source of income. They just don't. Like, so any extra scratch uh, would be very much uh, needed and useful. And, like, I, I just think back. I worked, I, I worked uh, as a security guard for the um, high school cheerleading camps there on the Oklahoma campus in the summer when I wasn't going to class uh, and I wasn't getting my head kicked in by Jerry Schmidt. I, and and whatever it was a job um but how nice would it have been if dan cody myself and teddy layman could have said hey we're gonna put on a defense alignment camp uh for two weeks we'd love to come instruct some of you young fine oklahoma defensive line prospects first of all that would have been a hell of a lot more fun uh would have actually allowed me to utilize you know what i'm what i'm good at and i think i probably would have made a little bit more money so i like things like that, I think going to be pretty cool to see if they actually come to fruition and, and manifest themselves. Teddy would have made a lot of cash. They would have. Teddy could have sold them. Cash. Teddy could have just said, "I'm going to show all you kids how to run as fast as me. Just pay me three hundred dollars for a week, and when you leave my camp, you two will run a four three. I got to tell you guys, money sounds good. But I don't know. It would have had to take a lot of cash to get me uh, out of my bed after doing Schmitty's workouts in the summers. That's, so, a, you know? that's a pretty good point. <laughs> um, now, one Oklahoma Sooner that probably won't be cashing in on his name, image, and likeness next season. Guys, Jaden Hazelwood with the torn ACL. And all of a sudden, you look at Oklahoma's wide receiver situation, and it doesn't necessarily look great. You've got the questions at the quarterback position between Mordecai and Rattler, and that'll all play out. But what questions? 
<laughs> I see oh. what you said there. Oh, the, oh, oh, big, oh, big rattler mean, guy, oh, huh? Oh, you mean the quarterback battle? Okay, whatever ahead, you want to call it. But <laughs> yeah, when you look at it, Jason, Jaden Hazelwood with the ACL probably going to be out the entire year. You've got Trajan Bridges; he missed the Peach Bowl unless something changes. He's probably missing the first five games. I, I don't know where he's at in that appeal process. And then, of course, the departure of C.D. Lamb and Lee Morris. You lose two veteran wide receivers. So, all of a sudden, a, a position the Sooners thought may have some depth. Looking a little thin, boys. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting. Um, it looks thin. We've got an unbelievable amount of talent. So, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone's going to step up and we're going to end up being okay at that spot. But when is the last time that Oklahoma didn't have um, the best wide receiver coming back in the Big 12? And I know Tyler Wallace has been pretty – it was pretty good, and but at least arguably the best wide receiver in the Big 12. I think you can go all the way back to, to Shep and maybe maybe before that. There's been some other good wide receivers, but this little run we've been on, it's been they've been overlapped perfectly, right? To where, you know, uh, you know, Marquise or D.D. Westbrook, and it's just it's worked out really good. Going into this season, we don't you can't really look at that roster and say, OU's got the best wide receiver. Now, by the time we get to the end of the season, is Rambo gonna emerge? Is Theo Weiss gonna emerge and be that guy? There's a really good chance of it, but right now, looking at it. I think it's the first time in a long time that we've at least looked at the roster and been like, I, I don't know who the guy is. I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I do think I, – I hate to say this. I just never worry about wide receiver. I, there's a lot of things agree. I worry about. I, they got – look, they got kids that can catch and run routes. I know – Especially on this team. It, it's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think Theo Wees – um, he was he's a five-star for a reason. I thought he stepped up. Step up. He's going to have to step up uh, because, yeah, I, I don't – Trajan Bridges, I think you have to expect him to be out the first five games, right? If he's there, um, great. I, I just – I'm kind of expecting those guys – you know how those appeals process go. They don't typically go well for players. It's just, it is what it is. Um, but I think Charleston Rambo is going to be able to um, take his game to another level. I think it will be an opportunity – you know, inside for somebody like Drake Stoops. Um, but I, I'll be honest with you, it's a big loss. I don't know how else to sugarcoat it. Again, I don't worry about it because I am confident that Oklahoma, and they're going to have, there's going to be probably somebody who steps in that we're not even talking about here that's going to be much better than what we anticipate. Um, but Jaden Hazelwood, to me, was a difference maker with his size. Um, and I just thought his ability to go up and make plays, I was expecting him to have just a big time breakout season so I'd be lying if I didn't say this is a you know this significantly hurts their depth and given the situation Bridges in you know it's you know wide receivers a bit of a question I just that's never I've people have run that past me many times what about receiver what about receiver and we haven't even mentioned Austin Stogner who I think his role is going to increase in this offense too I'll tell you what's interesting um like if this would have happened last year I would have been worried about it. And the reason is offensive line. Like the offensive line going into this next season, I think has a chance to be really, really good. And 
whenever that offensive line at Oklahoma is top-notch, which they always eventually get there at some point in the season, but I think they have a, a chance to start off really strong. When the offensive line plays like Bill Beanbow wants them to, it really doesn't matter who you have at wide receiver or running back for that matter. Yeah, it's just an interesting situation. You tack on Theo Howard, the UCLA transfer with the Achilles issue, a guy that, and I know they only got one spring practice in, but a guy that a lot of the staff mentioned to me was that Marvin Mims looks like he can be a dude uh, coming in and maybe playing as a true freshman. So we'll see, but just really unfortunate that Jaden Hazelwood most likely, unless – Something changes unless he is a super healer, healer, Adrian Peterson style. He's he's going to be out for the year. All right, now another big story in college football this week, and, and Dusty, you kind of had the scoop on this a couple weeks ago. But the NCA Football Oversight Committee has recommended a six-week practice period before college football players start playing actual games guys we've been through it time after time after time and you do get into that routine of hey winter workouts spring ball summer workouts training camp all tuning you up to get ready to play football games it is a round the clock process 365 can you get ready to play in six weeks? Yes. Are you going to be uh, tip-top shape? Are you going to be where you would have been if you had summer? No. But can you be ready to play? Yes. I think you can. Um, and, you know, I've, they had all of these different schools, these different conferences put together, four-week plans, six-week plans. What's it going to take? And I think six weeks is right. I, you know, I talked to a, a head coach of a – college team that said he thought they could do it in four weeks and I thought man that's you know that's pretty quick um I think I don't think anything less than six weeks gives you an opportunity to get your strength and conditioning going uh but also I think that they're going to look to do on-field uh instruction every day I don't think it'll be padded but I think absolutely and I would imagine since there was no spring ball also during that time they're going to be able to get in the meeting rooms with their coaches so you know, I, I think that uh, it's not just going to be six weeks of, of getting in the weight room, but I think there's going to be a lot of on-field instruction, even there early on, as they crescendo and build up uh, those last final weeks to putting pads on to get themselves ready to play. Here's what I'll say. Uh, can they do it in six weeks? Absolutely. And I think that they'll be better prepared maybe this season than ever. What happens? Okay, you go through spring ball, right? It's done in April, right? Then you've got this this long, I mean, you're, you're, you're working out, you're getting in good shape. Now, guys that need to gain weight, guys that really need to improve strength and conditioning-wise, uh, they may not get the gains that, that they need. But six weeks, but you regress football-wise, right? And then you come in, you report to training camp, and then there's an acclimation period, and you reintroduce all of the stuff that you did in the spring. You rehash all of the same stuff. You go through all of the same drills, right? You spend a good week just trying to recover what you did in the spring. You get six weeks leading into the season. That's like an NFL preseason, right? It's about how long an NFL preseason is, is six weeks. These guys are going to be going to have that whole time to prepare. 
tons of time on field. Are they going to be wearing pads the entire time? I don't think so, but they're going to be ready. They're going to be a lot. You guys know training camp now for college football, it's not two-a-days. It's, it's been so pared down from what it used to be that by the time those guys get on the field, they've done about a third of what you did 10, 15 years ago, right, as far as actual football stuff. If they're going to be doing it six weeks straight, they're going to be ready. I, I mean, I think six weeks, guys, that is a long time to practice Maybe football too long. without a game. I know. <laughs> Maybe too it, long. I'm, I'm telling you, they'll be ready for sure. He, here's the one thing that's going to uh, surface during all this, self-accountability. Because <laughs> we, we're going to be some overweight what over the summer. You, it ain't going to be a lie about it. It's going to be all over them. It's going to be very easy to see who took it upon themselves to continue to, in some way, train, continue to get themselves ready. And you guys know, we play with enough people. There's going to be some dudes that ain't done nothing. Here's the nothing. thing, though. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I ever did any offseason. And I don't know if you guys feel the same. Did you ever feel like whenever you started oh, football like you were prepared? Hell it's no. always Not like – the three I, days into it, it feels like he got ran over by. A I train. know, I I know it's yes. cliche, but there truly is nothing you can do from a workout standpoint that prepares your body to be in miniature car crash after miniature car crash. I mean, there, there's just not the the things that hurt during the first week of training camp. You're like, I don't even know what that is, <laughs> but it it's going to be so interesting to see now. When you look at the calendar, college football, the first games are supposed to be played August 29th, some, somewhere around 20th, there. 20th, right? So July 20th would be the day. July 20th is the day then that we need to circle on the calendar. And apparently the president of Iowa has said, no, that doesn't matter. We're coming back June 1st, Dusty. What, is it? what, what the hell is going on in Iowa? Bruce Harold is my new spirit animal. I'm just going to start walking around with a little Hawkeye on my chest. Uh, this, this has got to be – I mean, this is why Bob Stoops went to Iowa right here, right? I mean, these guys are salt-of-the-earth Americans. It's crazy. I mean, this was just uh, – it's a Thursday, Friday, but this came out literally in the last couple of hours. But, yes, University of Iowa President Bruce Harold says he anticipates the school's football will resume activities after June 1st. Uh, he told the State Board of Regents this evening. Okay, so currently, Big Ten schools have a moratorium uh, until, uh, funny it is, until June 1st. So, President Iowa says, okay, Big Ten's going to hold us out till June 1st. June 1st, woo! Let's go. He full ain't throttle, messing around. baby, full throttle. Let's go. Usually, it's the first one, right? The first domino to fall. Right, because I, I mean, know you think Wisconsin's going to say, yeah, you guys, go <laughs> ahead and prepare. Right? Hell Ohio no. State, yeah, go ahead. You guys start getting ready. We'll just sit here and wait, and then six Northwestern, weeks out, we'll start getting ready. Nor Northwestern might be like, ah, you guys got it. We're cool. Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald's like, no, I don't care. And, and it'll be interesting because uh, – and another thing that's come up here this evening, um, just prior to this wonderful discussion, is SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey essentially – came out today and said, here's a quote from him, there is room for different conferences to make different decisions. 
So we're talking to you, Pac-12. <laughs> no one gives a shit about you, Pac-12. So, I mean, if you, if you really think about that, I mean, when you look at the footprint of the Big 12 and just like Big 10, Big 10 footprint, I don't think Rutgers may be a little different, but for the most part, if these conferences are going to start uh, functioning independent of the overall NCAA, that could get very interesting, and that's going to tell me it just leads me to believe things are going to start to open up more than likely sooner than later. I think they definitely are. Uh, I was able to talk to Bob Bowlesby yesterday, the commissioner of the Big 12, and he said something that really surprised me. So we, we were talking about, hey, you know, will this be a conference-by-conference conference thing, or is it going to be, hey, everyone's got to be in, or there's no season? And he didn't hesitate. All he's caring about right now is the Big 12 Conference. And he even posed this scenario to me. So there's five states involved in the Big 12. Everyone forgets the state of Iowa. Don't forget about uh, Iowa State. We still, we still love you, Cyclones. Now, you look at it. He used this as an example that the Big 12 could go on playing football without some schools in the conference if their state governments still have restrictions in place. And he used Iowa State as the example. He said he most likely, he couldn't imagine making the other nine schools wait on Iowa State. He, he didn't think that that was fair. I thought that was extremely encouraging, especially with where Oklahoma is at right now with the coronavirus numbers and with us opening stuff back up today, I was very, very encouraged by that statement. Now, some of the other stuff he said, Teddy, um, you weren't very happy about I, it. I don't know. I mean, I just I don't understand why a commissioner of a conference feels it necessary to get on national shows and start making wild guesses about what's going to happen in the fall, right? He's talking about the OU-Texas game and how, oh, boy, that state fair is just a Petri dish. I mean, that's, a, that's just ripe for infection. I don't know how we could play the game there. Boy, I don't, I, we would be very, 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 very lucky to start on Labor Day weekend and play through the season without a disruption. Why is he making that prediction? That shouldn't be his role. His role should be uh, letting fans, letting athletic directors, letting, letting teams, universities know that we're planning on playing football in the fall. Here's what we're doing. Could things change? Sure, they could. This situation is changing almost daily, right? But here's what we're trying to do. I'm not going to shoot from the hip like a lot of people have been doing and start making guesses about what's going to happen five and a half months from now. The second week of October is five and a half months from now. Why is Bob Bowlesby making any type of prediction as to what's going to happen in that game? He shouldn't be doing that. And if I'm an athletic director, if I'm Joe Castiglione or someone, I'm like, uh, hey, hello, Bob, how about you stop scaring my, uh, my season ticket holders, my advertisers, people that put money into this football program. How about you stop scaring everyone he, off? He, Just chill. He scared the sideline analyst for the radio call because Bob Bowlesby was making these statements to me on SiriusXM Radio on our Big 12 channel, 375. Crazy, Check man. it out if you can. But 
a little part of me died inside when he brought OU Texas up because when I thought about the logistics, he, he called it a Petri dish of spreading infection. And my mind had not moved that far down the road yet. I, I was thinking, hey, we, we got to be worried about the season starting. And all of a sudden, he throws this at me where a game that literally is sacred to me may not happen the way I'm used to it happening. It ruined my day. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was not mentally Here's where he's wrong. Uh, every time I've been to that game, pretty much, um, the grounds around the stadium and the stadium itself are 10 times hotter than the surface of the sun. So I don't think any virus or bacteria or anything could live in a Petri dish or not down there. I, I just got to so say alcohol in the air. It just it kills sanitizes it. everything. That's how it works. I, it's science. I haven't heard the term Petri dish in a while. So I just like to uh, thank the uh, commissioner for taking me back to like ninth grade science class. Um, I, the one thing I'll say, like, you're right. I, I don't know what the reasoning or the rationale for throwing that as an example out. I don't, I don't get that. I can't defend him there. And another thing, cause I had him on my local radio show. Do I have to give the plug? Nah, Everyone already knows. Everyone knows the sports edible. Okay. Sports 1400. <clears throat> so we, we had I him on as well. I mentioned it at the end of the show, guys. Everyone chill out. It's okay. It's Monsters of the Midday, 11 to 2. Mark Rogers is my co-host. You um, can catch me on the franchise. Oh, wait. No, you can't. <laughs> Never mind. Is that not so, going to – when is that joke not going to be funny? Is there uh, – you guys let me know. know when we'll that joke's not eventually. funny. All right. So he said the same thing to me probably two weeks ago that he said to you a few uh, yesterday in that he – he, and he's the only person I've heard talk about this, but he is kind of fixated on this playing a partial season in the fall and a partial season in the spring. Did, did he go down that path with you as well, Gabe? And I haven't heard anyone else. And I just want to be the one to sit here and say, I think that that's crazy and borderline. Like, look, I'm not going to say anything's a terrible idea right now. Everybody's throwing stuff up on a wall. But to think that you could play a partial season in the fall and then get those kids to come back and finish the season in the spring. I, I'm sorry. I'm here to say that of all the plans I've heard, that's the worst. He, yeah. Apparently, he's never played football before because that would require another training camp, a whole new round oh of trying God. to get the guys what ready about, to play. Oh, what about the guys going to the NFL? They I mean, they're gone. not going to come back They'd to finish that season in the spring. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking about different rosters. So what Bob Bowlesby told me yesterday was that he is not advocating for right. a split season. Right. He is just – they are exploring all the contingency plans possible. Well, he I can just save him thinks, some time. He should – that <laughs> one should be dead on arrival. He needs to stop wasting his time with that stupid scenario. It's not going to happen. He There's thinks, the trash can. Throw it. He, he thinks the Big 12 or any conference would be extremely lucky to get through the football season without what he calls – disruptions and that basically what a disruption to him would be is a kid for West Virginia is diagnosed with the coronavirus he tests positive and West Virginia let's say they just played TCU and West Virginia is supposed to play Oklahoma the next week well then what the hell happens because now you got to wait a couple days to see what happens with all the kids that the kid came in contact with at TCU and what 
OU is going to want West Virginia to come to Norman to play them when they know some kid on their team and maybe a couple other kids have the coronavirus. It is a very real scenario that can take place. And I, I'm not going to criticize them for coming up with every contingency plan that they can. But a split season, it could have its benefits. But you also would lose all the good players after the first half. That's well, right. La- yeah. Last thing I have on this, because I believe he said there, um, and, and you would know you talked to him, but he was quoted as saying, and he, I've seen him push this before, uh, the second wave, the flu season, I think he cites November to yeah. March were the dates. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about spring football, but if that's what, if that's what the anticipation right in the middle is. the of the second wave. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That, that's what I, I haven't quite understood about that. Teddy, Teddy, just get it, get it all out, buddy. Just, if, if, just let it roll. If they are worried about tracing every single person that gets the coronavirus, then you, you can't, you just can't do it, right? You can't do it at some point, And you, everyone has to remember that the reason we all quarantined, which by the way, it's the first time in history that I, I know of or anyone else knows of that you quarantine a bunch of healthy people, usually take the sick people, but we did that to flatten the curve, right? The point of flattening the curve is not to overwhelm the hospitals and, you know, we're going to have – they've ramped up ventilators to a huge level. By the midsummer, there's going to be, you know, tons of ventilators, personal protective equipment. All these things are the reason that we did this quarantine so we didn't overrun the hospitals and our capabilities. Well, that's really not going to be a worry anymore, and it's not going to be nearly as much of a worry for the second wave. So everyone that's acting like the second wave is going to be uh, this, this huge thing. I just – I don't believe it's going to be. And – the, 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 what you have to get to, you cannot, viruses do not stop spreading. It will never stop spreading. The way you at least pass over the virus to where it's not a big threat is herd immunity. And if you continue to sequester everyone and never get herd immunity, you're, it's, you know, this thing will drag out forever. Thank you, Dr. Lehman. <laughs> I was just we, about to say, man, thank you, I feel smarter. Now, it's going to be good. interesting. We, we, I think we can all agree, though, football season is going to happen. These kids are going to be able to make some money off their name, image, and likeness next year, which fires me up. That's not going to – whoa, 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 wait a second. That's not going to be until 2021, right. correct? January yeah. is when it will be voted yeah. on officially. Not, not this upcoming fall, though. Correct, right. next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Because in the calendar yeah, – Dusty, when you look at a calendar, so it's 2020 – right now so the next year it's 2021 you got me i say we start paying guys and see if we can grandfather it in right see if we can do it and not get in trouble what's the worst that could happen yeah what's the worst that could happen (laughs) but hey boys a a a guy that could have made some serious cash off his name image and likeness in college was the old belldozer and he joined us he is our first guest ever now, if you'd like to be an interview sponsor, don't be shy. Reach out. We've had some nibbles. We, hell, we've even had some bites. Caterpillar. Yeah. Lake yeah. Bell. Hey. Belldozer. Hey, it would have worked. We, hey, guys, we could have done like 
hard hats with his face <laughs> on them. Oh, I mean, it would have been perfect. All right, we, we won't keep you all waiting any longer. Here's Blake Bell. It's our pleasure to be joined by one of the greatest folk heroes in the history of Oklahoma football. He became a Super Bowl champion this year with the Kansas City Chiefs. He recently signed a new contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Blake Bell is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Doze, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Dude, I, so here's what I've got to know. You spent three weeks stuck, air quotes, stuck in Hawaii with Gay Bikerd. Give us the most annoying thing about Gabe whenever you're stuck with him for three weeks. There has to be something. Gosh, I don't know. That's a tough one because, really, Gabe gets up, did his radio. Um, we ate which breakfast. I, which I got <laughs> fired from between now and then. <laughs> uh, and then we, uh, we got a little workout in. Uh, you know, we got by the pool, went to the beach, and just, you know, kicked it. So, I mean, you couldn't – I picture Gabe maybe being like if I'm somewhere and someone's really bubbly and really happy and energetic in the morning, it's like I need some space before I feel that way. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, honestly, like you said, we're out there for three weeks. It's, you know, it's surprising that no one was getting in a fight. But, no, we we're all kicking right. it. We, and we were just out. drunk the whole time. I mean, how bad could it be? Off. Yeah, a couple of Corona lights by the pool, that, that cures a lot. We, hey, Corona we, lights? I mean, it, the irony no. in that. I what, mean, what, happened, what happened was, God, so, so normally we would drink Corona lights out there. And, Who wouldn't? Exactly. And this year there was a big seltzer boom. Big <laughs> seltzer boom. And this is, a, this is a trip. So this is what happened. We go, we go on the same trip every March with the same group, and this was year, what, seven of us doing it. And as we were leaving, all the coronavirus stuff was going down. So we're flying over to Maui, and we're like, we might get stuck. And we were there for three damn weeks. And Blake was going through free agency through the entire thing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was getting up. I was getting calls from my agent and different people at, like, three in the morning. And I couldn't get back to them because then they weren't answering my call. So we were just playing phone tag. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was ridiculous. Okay. So I think probably both of these guys have had the chance to ask you, but I have not. How good does it feel to be a Super Bowl champion, man? Walk me through, if you can, just that run you guys went on and then ultimately to hoist that trophy at the end. Just how sweet is it? Oh, it was unbelievable. You know, I tell people – it was kind of like that, the perfect season, you know, I mean, you guys know how it is, you know, trying to stay no, I healthy. None of us know how it is. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you. Cause I don't know <laughs> uh, the NFL part, but uh, we honestly, we stayed healthy. Uh, we had a great team, great organization. Uh, and we just put it all together, man. And I think the biggest thing was, is like I said, the injuries, you know, everyone stayed healthy. We peaked at the right time. And, uh, you know, AFC Championship game was awesome. And then going into the Super Bowl, you know, trying to, you know, keep your emotions, but, you know, still trying to enjoy every second of it because, you know, who knows, you'll possibly never be back again. So um, family was out there. Everything was awesome. And, uh, you know, we, we loved it. And then obviously holding up that Lombardi trophy and celebrating with everybody after was awesome. 
So I know you mentioned free agency was difficult just because you were stuck out in Hawaii whenever it was all taking place. But what was it like this time around for you uh, coming off of a Super Bowl? Did you think like this, this is going to be a moment for you to uh, have some pretty good choices out there as to where you're going to be able to go? You know, I hoped uh, it was kind of, it was difficult. Obviously, like you guys are saying, being out there uh, was a little different, but uh, I heard from a couple teams and it was kind of going back with them and the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, I, I love the Chiefs and obviously I, I would love to be back there. But as you guys know, it's a business and, um, you know, and kind of getting different offers. And, you know, I went that direction. And obviously, you know, my fiance Lindsay's from uh, Dallas. So that's going to be great being close to them. And, and uh, you know, we're just right down the road from, from Oklahoma too. Now, Blake, you, you had a big moment in the playoffs you catch a touchdown pass, you jump into the damn stands, and then Eric Fisher tries to seal the spotlight from you. How, how pissed <laughs> off were you at Fisher? You know, I, I really wasn't. But after you look at it and, and everyone's like, man, are you, are you mad at him? And I'm like, not really at the time. I was almost like crying because I was so excited. And then I'm getting Bud Light all in my face and like <laughs> tasting it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So that was awesome. Um, it's crazy because as Gabe mentioned, when we introduced you, the dozer, uh, bell dozer for the youngsters that don't know, you once played quarterback way back when now you put your hand in the dirt and you move defensive linemen. What's that evolution been like you as a player from when you first, obviously you started in college, but as you continue to transition to the national football league to now, when I watch you, it's like, damn. There's no way this dude used to be a quarterback. Talk about that evolution, uh, particularly as a hand in the ground, having to block NFL defensive linemen tight end. Yeah, it's a lot different. Uh, I mean, obviously starting at that last – the last year at Oklahoma, it kind of helped me too because we were running the ball a lot. You know, if it was one year later in Lincoln's offense, maybe not so much. But uh, it seemed like that year we kind of were getting – I had my hand in the dirt, which helped me, you know, get a little film out there and, and kind of get used to it too. But – you know, I got drafted by the 49ers, obviously, and uh, my tight end coach there was Tony Sperano, and he taught me so much. I mean, he was obviously been an O-line coach, and so I learned so much from him and then obviously keep getting better each and every year. And, and for me, I think it's just reps, you know what I mean, getting out there and practice and even live game reps, um, you know, because that's, that's just a whole different ballgame. I'm surprised – you know, he's the wildcat guy whenever he was in Miami. I'm surprised he wasn't trying to get the belldozer going with you. Yeah. You know, he, he tried a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we actually had a couple plays where uh, at that time Kaepernick was a quarterback, so he would shift out and I'd be back there. But, you know, we never ran it. So, oh, well. What's the expectation in Dallas? Um, I mean, I, looking at the group of guys you got there at the tight end spot, I mean, you should be able to work yourself in and, and have a ton of reps up there and a ton of opportunity. Yeah, it's a good group of guys. Um, you know, right now we're doing all these virtual meetings. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not too different, but, um, you know, other than getting on the field and stuff. But, you know, we're just kind of going through installs day by day. Um, you know, they're kind of taking their time with it. So it's, it's nice, you know, taking notes and stuff. But uh, I think it'll be good. Obviously, Blake Jarwin there, um, you know, they just gave him that contract. He's a great guy. And then Dalton Schultz and uh, Cole Hicatini, which I was there at uh, San Francisco with him. But. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for me. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get down there and get going. Now, now, you mentioned that you guys are doing the virtual meetings, but 
what else can the Cowboys do for you guys right now? Have they been able to send you guys any sort of equipment for workouts? Have they been able to send you any type of supplements? Like, what are they able to do right now? So it's pretty cool. They actually sent, I don't know if it's an NFL PA deal or my team, but uh, I think they have like $1,500 for a guy they can send you. So you kind of just get on a site. Um, and, you know, like I text the equipment guys, they sent me gloves, footballs. Um, you know, you get cleats if you needed them. But uh, so and then I got, it's $1,500 up of equipment. So I got some bands, a big thing, a dumbbell, a dumbbell rack, um, you know, kettlebells, whatever. So that kind of is nice. And then uh, I jumped on the train, Gabe, and got a uh, Peloton. So yeah, oh, let's go. What's your, what's, what's your username? Let's go, Mr. No. Uh, World Champion. I want to see what you got on that bike. Hey, it comes in Saturday, baby. Let's okay. get it. Let's go. Hey, hey let's go. Hey, by the way, uh, since you now I realize you just live right down the street from me. You know, I've been in the yard working the old arm with the kids. I mean, if you need somebody to throw you some passes, I mean, you know, just hit me up, man. Hey, See what I can I'm, do. I'm in. And, okay, not yet. And. <laughs> I ordered a snap attack too. Got a little jugs machine, you know, get out in the backyard. Ooh, nice. So, I mean, I figured if, you know, we're going to do it, I got to, I got to get all the stuff I need, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you can't mess around. But has no, it, I'd been, probably take has your it been tough for you though? I mean, it's, it's incredibly unique. Um, like where do you feel you are right now in comparison to a typical off season, as far as your conditioning, your knowledge of the offense that you're, that you're about to start running? Or, I mean, do you feel like you're where you need to be right now? Or do you kind of have a little anxiety that you may be losing pace? Yeah, there's definitely an anxiety. Uh, but it is kind of weird because right now we'd obviously be in phase two. We're on the field. You know, you're with the guys, the teammates. You're, you're running. You know, you're actually doing football stuff. And, you know, we're kind of talking to the coach and he's giving us drills to do. And, and so there's a little anxiety there, like you said. But, I mean, if you just – you know, I'm trying to just stay in shape and, and just keep working out and, and uh, you know, hopefully stuff – we can get it cleared up and, and kind of get back to the facility. How much golf are you playing at Belmar? Oh, man. Get up, <laughs> work out, and, and go to Belmar. But I'll tell you what, with all the, you know, the CDC stuff, you, there's, you know, so many tee times and stuff, so it's kind of hard to get out there. So we've been kind of going out at, you know – six six thirty at night which is actually beautiful so it works out what's the handicap oh no that's a good one gabe can tell you i mean i can i he's can turn the, it on but then he's I, the best out of our group he don't don't so, but, don't okay. let him be modest but he's the best I, out of our i'm terrible so i i really like he's don't know. a 10 he's a no, two he's no, a 15 no. i don't I mean, i'd say like 15 to 18 oh this is i can't wait this is that's, that's teddy <laughs> that's teddy and dusty's uh real estate right there i can't okay. wait this what, yeah. I, I mean, imagine we, he could hit a bomb, though, as tall and as strong. No, as he it's the exact opposite. He hits yeah. the golf ball higher than any human being you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Every time. I got to get to the range and get a lesson because all my shots, man, I got to club up like, you know, if the wind's in your face at Belmar, oh, that's like a three-club wind, buddy. I Especially gotta, of course. number 10, man. I feel like number 10, when that wind's at you, it's a short – par four but it plays long oh, i feel yeah, like when i play at belmar the wind is in my face on every single yes. hole i play somehow i know and then if you get in that native grass man i mean it's over you might as well just <laughs> drop that's the so, one good thing though is i always come out of there with more balls in my bag than i had going in because i walk over there to find mine i never find my ball but i find 10 others oh, so yeah, i love it he, 
here's what I'm saying. Since, by the way, uh, Blake, we very much appreciate you being the first guest uh, of the Oklahoma breakdown. Number one, not just number one in your playbooks, ladies and gentlemen, number one in our hearts. Mm. I think it's only fitting that this is a foursome right here. The old heads against the young guys. Let's Straight go. up. Okay. Are we doing a scramble? And don't worry, Gabe's, Gabe's going to cover all the money that you guys lose to us. I will so don't just, even worry about it, Blake. I'll just, give you, I'll just give you the money before we even start. It's fine. The money's not the issue. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm just not any good, man. I, I mean, I'm not the worst golfer on planet Earth, but I, I certainly can't compete with you three boys. You're there for uh, the beverages, right? Yeah, I'm there to get hammered. I can do that, I can do that with the best of them now. <laughs> Just drink and, and write checks. That's all you speaking, do, speaking of drinking, now, Blake, I want to make it clear. I do not want you to incriminate yourself in any way, but <laughs> the Super Bowl celebration, the aftermath, the pounding that your liver took from all the things that I saw on Snapchat, how, just how awesome was that? I mean, you're going around with, Mahomes and all these guys, you guys are doing the parade with Kelsey. You're going to Vegas. I mean, that had to be the experience of a lifetime, man. No, it was, uh, you know, just starting from after the game and just going back to the hotel and, you know, you go down there and, and you see all your family and, um, you know, we had Pitbull and uh, Flo Rida, I think, playing for us, which pretty good, Mr. 305. <laughs> um, <laughs> Worldwide, 305. But no, it was awesome. So, like I said, family and everyone, friends down there celebrating – you know, we get on the, the jet back and, and we're partying on there, too. And then, like you said, the parade. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. It's probably 15, 20 degrees. And that place was electric. I'm talking people hanging off the roofs since the, it was unbelievable. So, uh, you know, and then you go from that. And like you said, we went to Vegas and, and that was fun, too. And then and, uh, I think we were out there for three day, two nights, maybe three days. Um, That's and then a we came long, back and, long time in vegas yeah it was it was long and uh <laughs> long time but no we had a good time and uh and then we, well we came back and obviously you probably you know get after a little bit more too but there was a couple of weeks where uh, i was on the couch just uh, recovering and hanging out so it's safe to say there's really something to that super bowl hangover thing that they talk about <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> hey i want to take you back real quick if you don't mind um it's one of the craziest games I've ever witnessed. I believe both of you played it. I know you did, Blake, and I know you both did. Oklahoma State, uh, circa, what was that, Ted? 13? 13. Yeah. Freezing cold. One of oh the coldest God. games I've been to. Ted and I are on the sidelines uh, doing the radio call. Uh, this was when we did. Uh, you guys had a fake field goal. Was it? Uh, whoever the – what's Grant, the kicker's name? Grant Bothan to Michael Honeycutt. Honeycutt, yes. Okay. <laughs> for a touchdown. So there was that. There was a Jalen Saunders punt return, I believe, for a touchdown. And, by the way, I want to frame this with – there was one of the biggest games in Oklahoma State history. If they win, I believe, they win the Big 12, right? I'm remembering this correctly, aren't I? Mm -hmm. And they were favorites. And Oklahoma offensively in this game couldn't do nothing. And – Blake Bell, they bring in, he plays, if I remember correctly, one series. We're going to call in the righty. And I'm telling you, when I say Oklahoma and Pete a drop, they had Pete a drop all game. And they bring in the legend, Belldozer, not to run people over, 
but to go down the field and throw darts. Now, that was one of the craziest, awesome wins I've ever seen. And I want you to try to walk me through that if you can, because I've never asked you about this. But how did you step in there, have the composure, and without having played the position all game and much that season, if I remember correctly, you go down, boom, 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 ball game, winner. Right. You know, the crazy part is Gabe can, uh, you know, he, he knows about this too, but that whole week, you know, I was coming off of a concussion. And uh, so Trevor was there and obviously Kendall was backing up that game. So I was kind of the third quarterback going into the game. So I didn't really take any reps that week, you know, a lot of mental reps. Uh, but yeah, we get to the game and, and Trev goes down and then Kendall comes in and then, you know, hype came up to me and was like, Hey, you know, you're probably going to play some this game. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. And, you know, we get to the, I think we did something like what I was coming in on third downs and Kendall was kind of going first and second. It was not fun. Oh man. And so then that last drive, I'll never forget. I mean, it was just, you know, kind of started, I fumbled, remember I dropped the ball in the end zone, picked it up and kind of just scrambled to the right, found Sterling, which good receiver to throw to. Uh, he took it doubt, find Sterling. Right. <laughs> And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple other plays. I think Brennan Clay had a great toe tap on the sideline to get that first down. Uh, I almost threw a pick. So that's good. LeColton Bester broke that up. Um, who was that corner, by the way? I forget. Justin, Justin Gilbert. Gilbert. Justin Gilbert. Probably shouldn't have threw it over there. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, it would have helped if you had practiced. You would have known that. But yeah, you know, right? had a concussion. And then uh, I'll never forget. I think it was uh, Trips Wright. Uh, was it Liz? Under or what would it have been, Gabe? Liz or under white corner? Yeah. I don't know what the protection was. Rip or Liz for sure. Rip or Liz. I think probably Rip because I was sliding left. And uh, Jalen one on one, little inside leverage. He routed that guy up right to the back of the pylon. It was it was awesome. Never forget it's, it. So the the funny thing about that drive is Blake comes into the huddle, you know, on the sideline, and I just grab him by the face, and I'm like, let's fucking go, bro. <laughs> Like, I, well, because it's it, it was my last it was my last game against Oklahoma State. Leading up to that game, I had said something to the effect of, "Hey, Oklahoma State, it's an unbelievable program." This was in the press conference, the Monday press conference. Someone had asked me about, you know, was it still a little brother, big brother, you know, relationship? And I was like, "Ah, no. I mean, they built a hell of a program, you know, but this is still Oklahoma." And I was extremely complimentary of Mike Gundy, of that team, of that program. And all that got printed was, this is still Oklahoma. You know, we're still Oklahoma. I said something to that effect. So I'm just getting all kinds of mentions on Twitter throughout the week from Oklahoma State fans. You know, we're going to beat your ass, blah, 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 blah. So when Blake comes in the huddle, I'm like, we have to win this game. And he did. And he leads us on this drive. And the funny part about that, you can go back and watch that play. I did not know the ball got caught. The first time I could see the ball from where I was, Jalen had already set the ball on the ground. So I did not know why everyone was freaking out. I was so – there was about a two-second two period where I had no idea what the hell was going on. And then after the game, all I tweeted – we're still Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you what's crazy is, so it was tied at halftime, I believe, and we hadn't played well at all, and Kendall Thompson comes out and gets the start the second half. 
Yes. And I don't, I don't remember if I overheard this before the play or what, but I remember Hype saying to Kendall, not, do not throw the deep ball. Yes. <laughs> First snap, That's right. it drops back and just chunks it down the field <laughs> and throws an interception. And I remember just like thinking, oh, my God, Heifel is going to lose his mind. And that's what I think, Dusty, we looked at each other and was like, Blake Mills oh coming God. in this game at some point. I'll never forget that, too. Yeah, it was like a – I forget the – it was like an out route and it was like a go on the outside. And, and uh, Kendall just – I mean, it's supposed to be just a rollout and kind of throw the out route, probably get the drive going. He sets up and just chucked the co-ball. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I have another uh, great Blake Bell memory. I have a lot, Blake, but another one I'll never forget. You guys played Iowa in a bowl game. What bowl game was that? Insight Bowl, and Blake has a great Bob Stoop story. Oh, I okay, can't well, wait. Okay, <laughs> okay, well, I want to hear that after this. But I, my great story was, as Gabe has pointed out, I, not that no, not that I do it anymore, but wet in the beak it happens from time to time and what I can't remember is if it was the point spread or the over under but what I do know is you're in the game y'all essentially can just run the clock out and you break like a 35 40 yard touchdown run and y'all cover the number and Ted you and I were sitting at sports talk 1400 in that in that room because we were going to go to the post game afterward and we went nuts like Thought we had no chance to cover, and the belldozer out of nowhere takes it to the house. So thank you, Blake. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I should probably went down at the two if I was, uh, you know, all the the game situations like we're supposed to work on. But, uh, nah. Eh. Now, no so you know, our offense we we played pretty well that game, and Blake ends up being the Insight Bowl MVP because you scored all those touchdowns. Right, and. How did that go for you, if my memory serves me correctly? It was pretty funny. So, like, we – I think it was, like, me and, and Landry, I want to say Kenny Stills and Coach Stoops. We had to go to the press and media and all that. So, as we're coming back, everyone's getting on the bus. So, we're all in the shower. And I, it could be something along these lines. But Coach Stoops kind of looked at me and was like, you know, why are you – you know, why are you showering or something? I think he was a little – who might have been a little salty that they gave me the MVP and not Landry. And I was like, oh, no. But, you know. Oh, that's crazy. Still that's got funny. the trophy, baby. Hey, Still was the, the offense – were you guys on the field when that camera fell in that game? Oh, oh yeah. What happened there? I, I just remember, like, they they panned to it late. It didn't show it on TV, if I remember right, but almost nailed someone. I right? don't even remember if we were on the field, really. I just remember – gosh, that was a long time ago, but – yeah, that thing felt – that was probably the most exciting thing that happened in that football game. It was. That's what, that's what I remember most about it. Hey, so you're the perfect guy to ask for this, Blake. Though you've transitioned on and now you're a tough, hard nose. I'm going to knock defensive ends ass off tight end. Um, we all saw it coming. No doubt. I mean, it's in the bloodlines, if memory serves correctly. Um, but the t- talk to us about – and give us the real. Don't give us that BS. We're giving people real stuff they can't find anywhere. So I don't want the company line. What's it like for a quarter that, – that relationship with Landry and you when they were putting you guys – you know, when you were coming in at certain times? I ask that because if you can also touch on – in Philadelphia, Jalen's going uh, to, to, to Philly to play with Carson Wentz. 
from your perspective, now you are kind of more the situational guy, but what does that do inside a quarterback room, that dynamic, those relationships? Were you guys cool, do you, or is that a tougher situation to manage than what people probably realize? No, we, we became really good friends uh, throughout the whole deal. But I will say, I think as a competitor for Landry, there was times where, you know, he might throw a long bomb and it goes down at the, you know, the three, four, five-yard line, and then I would start running out there. And there's times where, yeah, he was shaking his head, hanging his head, and he was kind of mad, you know, and he might – but I don't think he necessarily he was mad at me. I think it was just kind of, you know, the competitor in him that he's like, oh, I want to throw a touchdown. You know, I want to, I want to get a touchdown pass or something. But, uh, you know, you can look at it the other way too. And I still asked last year. I asked Damian Williams too. I said, Damian, did you ever get mad? I know you did. Like when I would come in there and he goes, Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> or even any of the running backs? You know, like why can't I yeah. get the ball? But yeah, I bet it was. It probably was more uh, contentious with the running backs than than maybe. Landry, but I bet, you know, within the, within the room, it's probably not that bad because at the end of the day, everyone's trying to win football games, right? But the outside noise, because that was the talking point. So everyone outside of the, the football team or the people talking about it. So did you hear that quite a bit going on around that time? You know, a little bit, but, you know, I still always go back to, I mean, Gabe could probably name the, the line, but I, you know, people ask why that, that package was so good. And I'm thinking, Okay, listen, so you got Ripkowski and Trey Miller in the back. I mean, those two dudes would – I mean, Trey would go cut your knee and Ripkowski would run through a wall for you. Uh, I mean, you had – Gabe, you, you can go through the line. So it's Shed and Bronson. I mean, Daryl, Tyrus. I mean, we ran it for a couple of years. I mean, we, we had a Donald lot of Stevenson. guys that played in the NFL, yeah. Yeah, Lane Johnson, Donnie. Uh, I mean, you go on and on. So it was just – uh it's it was wild but I mean we had two plays off of it basically we had the the power and then the counter wherever that extra guy was we'd go the other way now does when you when you think back to your OU days and, and you're thinking about kind of the best memory is it that you know taking us down the field on that last drive against Oklahoma State and Stillwater or the first thing that comes to mind and it was really special for me and you was going to Notre Dame. Yeah, 100%. I think the the Oklahoma State games were awesome. Uh, I'll never forget those. But yeah, the Texas game up, where you scored a thousand touchdowns. That was fun. That was fun. God, that was an ass kicking. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Feels good fun. to beat Texas ass, doesn't it? Oh my. Yeah. God. Always. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the Notre Dame game, uh, growing up Catholic. Uh, you know, getting to start that game, going into the quarterback and just all the tradition they have there. Um, you know, I'll never forget, we, we were running the ball and, and uh, you know, that's when I cramped up. I ran back into the locker room and, and uh, you know, they're giving me IV, but I'll never forget, I felt like Rudy running out of that tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was probably uh, definitely one of the better highlights. So what, 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 what's, what do you guys – what do you do from here? Like where – what have you guys been told kind of transitioning back? How long of a holding pattern are you guys on? You know, I'm not sure. I, I want to say I saw something the, the NFLPA said that I think they're waiting until May 15th to make another decision um, or somewhere around there. But right now we're just continuing our meetings. Uh, and then once they make that other decision, I think it'll be like, hey, you know, we can go in the facility – maybe start, you know, get a uh, mini camp in, you know, start OTAs. Or we, I guess, just we're done till training camp, I guess. I'm not sure. 
you had much interaction with any of the, I know you've been doing your, your tied in virtual meetings, but have you had many other uh, interactions with, you know, did Dak Prescott reach out whenever you signed there or did he invite to you to guys? that party? Yeah. yeah did you go to Frisco or prosper to that party? You know, I saw that on the news, but no, I, I did not make that one. Uh, no, I, I haven't talked to any of those guys. Just the, the tight end coach, obviously, and, and some of the guys in the room, um, just through the meetings, virtual meetings. But, you know, I look forward to obviously getting in the locker room and meeting everybody. But uh, I did have an opportunity in my physical to go to the Star and check that out. And let me tell you, that place is unbelievable. Now you're, you're going to play with Dak and Zeke and those guys, but – you got really close to Patrick Mahomes in your year in Kansas City. Uh, what was it like playing with a guy that talented? I mean, a guy who seems like if he continues on the trajectory he's on, that he, he could be one of maybe the best to ever do it. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Just the way, you know, you watch him prepare during the week. You know, I think that was the, the thing that stuck out to me. You know, that guy knows the offense like, you know, the back of his hand. Uh, he knows where he's going with the football every play, knows when he's hot. Um, and then, you know, other than that, like, uh, you know, I joke around in camp, you know, I had like a, I was blocking. I had like a slam flat, like a late, late, late. I mean, I shouldn't get the ball. He rolls out to the right. I just start running down the field. Like, I was just like, well, I'm going to go. He hit me like, like 25 yards down the field and I'm at like a, I'm a late route. So you have no idea that guy, you could be anywhere on the field and you could get the ball. So it was kind of, it was crazy. So. You know, it's, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. You're older than me. I'm giving you seniority here. No, I was one of gonna... you say something, yeah. and I'm not <laughs> editing. I'm not editing this out. This is staying. <laughs> I uh, I was just going to uh, to ask about like the transition because you know it's got to be difficult going from from the quarterback, obviously, but doing it in the NFL. Was there a moment? Like maybe in your first training camp, like what the hell am I going to do at tight end trying to block these animals on the other side of the of the ball? Did did that ever hit you? Like oh my god, this is going to be a lot more difficult than I expected. Yeah, well that's a funny story because uh, it was the first day of pads, the 49ers, and uh, we had like a back block where I came back and and uh, over there to the left was Alden Smith, and it was one of those where I just kind of we made eye contact right away. And he looked at me like, you don't want this, dude. You don't want it. <laughs> and I gave him everything I had, which, you know, I didn't – nothing happened. But I got it. The worst stinger I've ever had. And I, I was seeing a few stars, and I walked off the field, and Coach Verona looked at me and goes, welcome to the NFL, kid. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and, and the best part about that is, who just signed that Alden Smith guy? Yeah, that might yeah, happen right. again. You never know. Fun. Looking forward to it. You're being better equipped now uh, to take him on than you were previously. Did you check out the NFL draft? And I'm sure you keep up with your Sooners pretty well. Uh, your thoughts on the pick of CeeDee Lamb at number 17 being uh, added to this already very talented offensive roster? I think it's awesome. I mean – uh, just watching that guy at OU and uh, just the, the big playability he has, uh, I think he's going to fit perfect in there. And just um, obviously a guy like Dak, too, can work the pocket and get out and make plays. Um, I mean, CD, that dude's going to be making plays for I don't know how long, but he, he's awesome. All right, does 
Well, we appreciate your time, man. Um, how, how do you feel? First guest we've ever had. You, it, is that probably the biggest honor of your life, you would think, maybe? Dude, that's, that's pretty big. I love it. I mean, well, this, is, uh, this is awesome. I mean, being first on the Oklahoma Breakdown, which, by the way, guys, that's a, that's a fantastic name. Thank you, Teddy it. and I really spent a lot of time. You know, we're, we're really, really burning the midnight oils. Really, um, <laughs> really, they handle everything, and I just kind of show up and talk. That's basically how this thing works. <laughs> oh, man, and the song at the beginning, too. That's great. Get you, you going. Just get that, you just get that slice in order and make sure Gabe's good and saucy when we, show, when we meet up at Belmar, please. Let's, let's do it. Let's set that up uh, ASAP. It'll All be right, the Blakey. first time I get uh, actual Dallas Cowboys money. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I <laughs> uh, can't wait. Let's go. All right, Dose. Thanks, man. Thank you to Blake Bell for joining us. It's been a wild ride for the old Belldozer for the last few months. Guys, just incredibly proud of that guy. I mean, he's, he's taking that tight end role and going into year six now. Unbelievable crazy he's carved out a nice little career you know you you thought that quarterback at the next level man it's probably not going to work out but hey he could be an h-back type of guy maybe uh get on a team get into a camp see what happens and here he is year six it's crazy but when you're as big you're as athletic you're as talented as he is you're going to make it work he's a good dude and that's why i'm so happy for him because he's a heck of a football player uh selfless great teammate when he was at Oklahoma, was never put in a great situation, but always made the most of it. And to my knowledge, as somebody who was around that team a lot, and Gabe, you played there, but never complained, never caused a stir, and just did what he needed to do to help the team win. And now he's turned into – he's a Super Bowl champion, man. And the guy get a nice little payday from the Dallas Cowboys, and he's continuing his NFL career. So I'm – I'm fired up for the guy. What a, what a great dude. And uh, he's really put together a unique career in college. And as you said, Ted, carved out a nice niche in the NFL. When we first started, um, you know, in doing the, the radio stuff and then doing the broadcast of the games, he was always like one of the coolest guys to cover. Gabe was always a huge pain in the ass, but uh, Blake jerked that game. Fantastic. He was always cool. He was so fun to interview. He's so fun to talk to. They're on the sidelines. He's, you just can't say enough good things about Now, him. since I know Blake listens to this podcast, he, he is one of my best friends. He was a groomsman in my wedding, but that guy's a complete asshole. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, it's Friday. Let's get this thing going. Let's, let's get to some segments. Just a reminder. If you're listening out there, we would love to have these segments sponsored eventually. So if you hear something that interests you, uh, reach out. Feel free to reach out. You know where to find us. Now, it is a fun Friday. So on Fridays, we got to let Dusty wet the beak. This is where we're going to talk a little sports gambling. And I think this segment would be good for maybe a casino to sponsor don't you think boys that, that, that's a logical yes. connection yeah. of the dots you know so just just a thought now odds are out odds are out from bet mgm for who is going to be the first pick of the 2021 draft 
Now your three favorites, boys. Trevor Lawrence is the heavy favorite at minus 250. Justin Fields is at plus 350. And Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who is one hell of a football player, is plus 500. First pick of the 2021 draft. Dusty, what the beak, who you got? Okay, so I'm a huge fan of Trevor Lawrence, if I'm being completely honest, because I did two Clemson games his freshman year. I actually did the last game that he didn't start when he came in and went right down the field on three straight drives, and it was like, okay, sorry, Kelly Bryant. It was nice knowing you. Um, But since it's with the odds, like if this was just straight up, who would you put money on? I'd put money on Trevor Lawrence. But as you mentioned, minus 250 for Trevor Lawrence, by far the odds on favor. You get some value here with Justin Fields because let's let's be real now. 40 touchdowns to one pick last year at the one. at the Ohio State University. This is a dude that's 230, can run a 4-4, and he's got a howitzer of an arm. He's kind of Kyler Murray, just bigger, right? I mean, honestly, that's kind of my comp on him. Like his skill set's Kyler Murray esque, but he's like 6'3, 230. So, and oh, by the way, Penay Sewell might be the best of the bunch of those three. That's how good of a tackle he is out of Oregon. He was the best tackle in all of college football this year. He's just not eligible to come out. So it's going to be really – I think if I had to put money on it, value-wise – I'm putting Justin Fields. I'm putting Justin Fields. I'd probably go Sewell and hope that the Bengals suck again. They've got their quarterback in Joe Burrow. They'd probably want to protect him and go pin a Sewell. So I I don't know – but I, I certainly wouldn't put it on Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's minus 250. I'm good. My money's on Justin Fields, Ted, at plus 350. I feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting a good value on what could be uh, just as good a player as the odds-on favorite. No, I, I love that. That would be a bet that, that I would lay down. I'd like to see what it is on the Newman kid going to Georgia. Because let's, let's look back to so this. They're all, so there's only – Five players on the board for BetMGM. The three we mentioned. And then the next two are extremely interesting. The fourth guy they've got on there, Miami transfer quarterback, De'Eric King at plus 1,400, a guy that we no saw in person. What? Yeah, I, I'm just telling you, I didn't make these lines. And then I believe the last you. I just guy, said it's crazy. And the last guy is one hell of a football player, and Teddy would probably – put money on him just because he's a linebacker they've got Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons yeah. at plus 2,000 oh. everyone else is yeah, one, one he's great but he won't be the first guy to take Micah him. Parsons is a freak show boys um, an absolute freak show here's what's interesting at this time of the year when have we been when's the last time we looked forward and were able to forecast who the number one overall pick was going to be I know it wasn't Baker Mayfield. I know it wasn't Kyler Murray. Murray. I know it was not Joe Burrow. Burrow. No. So Trevor Lawrence is the easy name right now. Uh, Justin Fields is the easy name right now. But to me, a guy like Newman from Georgia, where Georgia's got you know tons of talent on that team, they haven't had a big time playmaker at quarterback yet. Fromm was solid, right? Eason was solid, but. He's their first real chance at a difference maker at quarterback. And 
you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Georgia makes a run. I wouldn't pick that, but if I'm looking on odds, and I know he wasn't one of the guys listed, but someone like that for a team like Georgia that puts them on a special run and he's the difference of why it happens, I could see a guy like that being the number one overall pick. If you, okay, if you want to go with an outside-the-box name uh, that you didn't have on your list, Gregory Rousseau from Miami. I had three Miami games last year. This dude, he played receiver in high school. He was 6'6", 200, was a track guy, put on like 60 pounds in his first year at Miami. He had 15 and a half sacks last year. You don't even know what he's doing. I, on the broadcast, I said it's a go-go gadget arm. He's got these long arms, and he's got this quick first step. There's nothing people can do, offensive tackles can do to stop him. But like I said, he played like, receiver. He's like a Chase Young guy. I mean, and, he and is like a Chase that, Young guy, but he's raw as can be. So that we'll Chase Young exactly. was – I know he was a big-time big – player there but he wasn't a guy that we were talking about like we ended up being at the end of into last year but a guy like that's interesting because it matters who's got the number one pick right yep if if a team that's got the number one pick and it doesn't necessarily have to have a quarterback that could factor in it's about affecting the quarterback game with that pick either you're yeah. a q you're an ot that's protecting the q you're a pass rusher that's getting after the q that's typically what we see with that number one overall selection now, one more for wet in the beak. Uh, speaking of that draft next year that will be in Cleveland, despite what Roger Goodell said on national television, if you guys had to put money on a Big 12 player that will go the earliest in the 2021 draft right now, who you putting your cash on? Uh, for me, and this is not going to make a lot of people happy, I, I think the smart bet is Sam Cosme. Uh, I think the smart bet is Sam Cosme. You, Dustin, you mentioned the value that offensive tackles have, especially early in the draft. He's shown a lot of improvement over the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, I still remember him starting as a freshman going, that guy has not gained enough weight. Believe me, I know the feeling when you're transitioning the offensive line. But I am a little concerned maybe he hasn't had the offseason that he needed to have because I really do think strength is the one thing his game was missing. So it'll be interesting to see how he looks in the fall. But it, it may pain me a little bit to say it, but I, I think Sam Cosme is the smart bet for the earliest Big 12 pick in next year's draft. I just showed you my sheet. I'd circled the same name. You said Creed, Chuba, Tylen, Cosme. Um, he's probably going to be going into next season the number two offensive tackle on most people's boards. We just saw four go in what game? The top, what was it, 11 picks? When Beck when yeah, Beckton when go Beckton to the Jets went, at 11? Yeah, yeah that's right. So we saw four tackles. There's just real value at offensive tackles. So, actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Worfs went to Tampa at 13. So four in the top 13 picks, sorry. Um, I, I would put Cosby there. 6'7", 3'10", athletic. He's gotten better each year. I agree. I'd like him to see a little stronger. But I think his athleticism, uh, it looks to me like he, he could be a guy that could play left. And if you could play left tackle in the National Football League, you got a chance to make money. But I would say this. Um, the guy that I would say I feel the best about to be a first-round prick might be Creed because I don't know how high he'll go, but I'll be stunned if he's not the first center off the board. 
And typically, as of late, as we saw with Cesar Ruiz, the Saints picking him at, I believe, 24. Typically, we see a center go in the first round somewhere, and I think Creed is going to be the first center off the board next season. And he can play He can play both guards. You know, he, you yep. put him at any of those spots, he's got great versatility. I would say if, it, if it's not Cosme, I think Creed is a good pick there, but the way we've seen these drafts go lately, uh, let me just say that I would never in a million years do this, take a wide receiver, but – I mean, Tyler Wallace has a has a really good chance. Um, if he man, goes I after hope those, his knee get. I yeah. hope he gets back to full go. It, uh, I'm rooting for that kid. That's yep, going to be the here. big factor. If he's healthy, if he's if he's the same player he was beforehand with this with this quarterback that's going to be running around making great plays and and throwing it down the field, he's got a chance to be a, a guaranteed first rounder. I wouldn't take him, but. You know, he's, he's going to be right there. Chuba Hubbard, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if he went in the first round. He's going to have to really prove that he can run routes and catch the football clean and smooth out of the backfield. And I'm going to tell you, what worries me for Chuba is where Jonathan Taylor went this year. Because Jonathan Taylor – now, the only thing with Chuba, he doesn't have that many – we'll see how OSU uses him next year. Because – you know, Chuba played spot duty two years ago once Justice went down, then he played. But then last year, he was obviously the bell cow. Uh, so going into next year, he doesn't have that much tread off the tires. But I would imagine they're going to use him quite a bit, uh, which is probably why Jonathan Taylor fell. But when Jonathan Taylor ran four three eight, and I'd seen his productivity, multiple 2,000-yard seasons, and he didn't go till the second round, uh, that worries me a little bit uh, for Chuba. And overall, just running backs in general um, – it, it, I, you can easily see them slide, whereas those other positions, not quite as not, not as much. Chuba, to me, wasn't even the best running back in the Big 12 last year. So, I mean, he could be this year, but I, I, I know his numbers were ridiculous. But, um, I mean, I think he's a good, solid player, but I don't think he's, he's nearly as good as what some of those numbers would suggest if, if you're trying to forecast that to the next level. Right. Well, boys, that's – that's a Friday edition of Wet the Beak. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, Winners and Losers of the Week. Now, I, I really like this one. As our man Toby Key says, we got winners, we got losers. But this allows us to bring kind of some funny stories to the show, maybe lighten it up a little bit. Not just all sports, but kind of some of the goofy shit we find on the internet. Teddy, why don't you kick us off? Give me your winner and your loser of the week. Well, I'm kind of tying in the winners and losers with the uh, keeping it local segment. I think the the big winners are the residents of the city of Norman, HSRG opening up. I can't tell you. I eat Charleston's at least once a week. Okay, ribs and chicken combo, uh, fried okra, baked potato. I've been dying for that to open hsrg charleston's in norman will be open i cannot wait fantastic stuff shout out hal smith restaurant group we love your food hal no it'd be, it'd be nice you never know i mean you know just not saying just saying sponsor sponsor the show like hal that. come on yeah. come on hal water's fine uh biggest loser residents of the city of norman <laughs> <laughs> 
Here's the reason. I knew, I knew this was coming. Let him have it, Ted. I'm, Let him I'm, have it. All I'm just going to say <laughs> is, unfortunately, you will have to travel outside of the city to uh, do some of your uh, necessities here in the coming weeks. So, biggest loser and biggest winner, residents of the city of Norman. All right, Dusty, who you got for your winner and your loser of the week? Well, uh, Gabriel, this one is a no-brainer, okay? I'm going to take you back to Sunday night, and I don't know what she's drinking, boys. Milk done this body good. But the big winner is Carmen Electra. Damn! How? How? I mean, for real. Like, goodness gracious. I she thought may at look first better. that was an interview from, like, <laughs> She's 48. Hey, and look, I've got a beautiful wife, madly in love, but we both appreciate beauty of all kinds. I mean, I think even women were looking at Carmen Electra during that interview going, I mean, what, how can I get what she's doing? I, I need that regimen, man. That's what I need. I mean, honestly, whenever, because we had talked about it on, um, on the show earlier that, you know, that week, uh, Sports Talk 1400. And we were wondering, it's like, I don't know where Carmen Electra's been. I mean, I wonder if she's going to be in the documentary. Oh, my god! I mean, it, the years could have been rough on, on old Carmen. And then it was like, uh, apparently she's been in a vacuum for the last 20 years because she hadn't aged a bit. And the selection of the top, that little black where you could kind of, was a little inviting. I don't know. I just thought, that was a winner for everyone. Carmen Electra is winning at life. She's found the fountain of youth. And I think that we all were winning for getting to get a nice gaze at Miss Electra and finding out exactly what she's been up to. So that's my winner. And my loser, fellas, my man Will Reeve, an ABC correspondent. You know, Ooh. being in television, and, and, and here's the deal. I don't blame him. Because at first, Will Reeve is the ABC correspondent who the shot, when they went to the two shot, you could, he just had it chest up in the single. But when they spaced it to a two, it moved the camera angle and you could see his underwear, him sitting at his house doing the hit from home. So, again, like, I got no problem with that. I mean, I, truth be told, I've done radio in my underwear. I might have even when I was in Arizona and I was doing some hits for the news station. I might have just put the top on. I might not have had – they just had underwear, some shorts Oops. on underneath. I'm not going to – hey, I'm not judging. So, but, but the problem is when he responded to this, he put out this tweet and he said that those were gym shorts. Now, I got to tell you, <laughs> if my man Will Reeve is wearing gym shorts, that I'm telling you, when, when I tell you we're up crotchal region – I mean, right up in the business. I know both of you two crazies love yourself some Lululemon. So maybe that's oh, what the cool kids are wearing now to the damn gym. right. But I'm sorry, Will Reeve, if those are your workout shorts, that's losing, brother. Far worse <laughs> than having it shown on national television. At least go mid-thigh. I mean, can we at least ask for mid-thigh? I think that's fair. I think that's which, fair. Which, by the way, it ties into your your first, you know, uh, Carmen Electra and Dennis Robin. Dennis Robin just bucked the trend of the <laughs> basketball shorts and said, uh, everyone else is wearing long shorts. Give me the shortest shorts possible. 
I love that. But that's hey, some, great. Sometimes... I'm just glad that he did on TV what we all knew those guys were doing anyways and, and just had the, uh, the suit jacket and stuff on up top. I had no problem with that aspect, Ted. I felt that the cameraman put him in a bad spot. But when he said that he was actually had those on because he was going to work out immediately after, I thought, wait a second, Will. That's, that's a party foul if I've ever seen one. Maybe he, meant he was wearing his seven-year-old's gym shorts. <laughs> yeah. yeah you never, I'm not going to judge the man on his length of the shorts. Hey, but to each their own, I suppose. Now, my winner of the week is kind of random. I'm not going to lie, but I saw this story, and it, it brought me a lot of happiness because, well, frankly, I love French fries. I think a lot of people love French fries, but my winner of the week, Belgians. Just, just follow me on this. Um, pro- potato producers in Belgium have asked people to please double their consumption of French fries. To at least two times a week because, and this is happening with food, you know, a lot of places in the world, but they say the potato demand is going down because of the lockdown and 750,000 tons of potatoes are at risk of rotting. Guys, we must all do our part. We must all go to Belgium and eat some French fries. I'm in. I love it. It's like, if you're going to twist my arm and make me eat more French fries, okay, I'll do it. I love that. You know what it makes me think of, though? I'd only want to eat waffle fries in Belgium. You know, like a, a Belgian waffle. Oh, I see what you did fair. there. That's fair. fair. Don't that's the first thing. Is it weird that that's the first thing I thought French about? Fries like, over there or something? Mayonnaise. They put mayonnaise. Oh. Not, and no, we should not do that. I'm, ketchup, mustard, maybe mustard and ketchup. Ranch. But keep the mayonnaise obviously. away. Obviously, ranch. And then... So, shout out to all the Belgians out there. You're going to be eating lots of fries, I mean, apparently. They're gonna be, at least they're going to have a lot of energy. Serious carb load going on there. There you go. Dude, carb load. I'm all about it. Not really. Not anymore. Um, but then my loser of the week, uh, this one, when I saw this stat, I, I felt for the kid. You know, I've talked about how shitty it is to go undrafted last episode. <laughs> But at least I got signed, boys. So this year, there's 337 players that attended the NFL Combine. Of those 337 players, 336 of them are currently on NFL rosters. My loser of the week is the one man that is not, and that is Shea Patterson, quarterback. Michigan I thought Harbaugh was supposed to be a quarterback whisperer what happened that's going to be awesome for his quarterback recruiting awesome <laughs> unbelievable uh, I don't even I mean, know is it a character I, I, thing I don't understand was he that bad be. Dusty um he wasn't that good but no he was not so bad that somebody didn't pick him up I don't know what's going on there Maybe it's something at Ole Miss before he transferred. I couldn't tell you. I don't want to speculate, but this really smells of something that um, probably during the investigative phase of all of these teams uh, preparing for this NFL draft, something, some type of flag had to pop up because I'm not trying to make a case for Shea Patterson, but 
I mean, Ted, you know as well as I do. I mean, some of the people they sign just to bring in for camp. Like, I need a body. Give us a – Yeah. Need, and especially a, qu- a quarterback. Just a quarterback, right. Yeah, yeah. so that's, yeah. that's surprising. I will say this, though. Um, maybe sometime we can delve into uh, my real feelings about Jim Harbaugh and why. I'll leave those for another time. I'll just say um, – it has not gone as well up in Ann Arbor for old Jimmy boy as everybody had expected. So I'm, I'm not happy that Shea Patterson is the only guy who attended the con. I don't want to uh, celebrate in his misery, but the fact that that in any way is negative for Jim Harbaugh, that makes me happy. Yeah, you 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 seem like really having the smile on your face, right? It's yeah. kind of creepy. I'm not going to lie. Hey. <laughs> Uh, That's what the, you get, Jimmy boy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's your winners and losers of the week. All right, we will finish this off uh, with what has very quickly become a fan favorite, a listener favorite, and, and that's the Keeping It Local segment. And this is where we're going to highlight things that go on in the great state of Oklahoma. And it, this is an obvious one, boys. Uh, you know, May 1st, things are opening back up. We're getting back to a little bit of normalcy. Now, I know that Norman's got some different things going on than Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City and Edmond and Tulsa, and there's some different things going on across the state. But for the most part, you're looking at things like restaurants, some gyms, some salons and barbershops in some of the cities, movie theaters that are opening back up. What's, what's the first place we're going uh, I mean, what's what's the first thing you're doing now that you're you're free, Teddy? You're finally out of your cage, man. Six fifteen a.m. I had to sign up for a class. Oh. I'm going to the gym, baby. I'm going to get my workout on tomorrow. Six fifteen a.m. What are you? Are you orange steering? Uh, a CrossFit. Oh. <laughs> Orange Theory? What is wrong with I, you, Well, Gabe? he had to sign up. I figured it was one of those things. I yeah, I'm you to sorry. Sign up. You have to I, sign I, I up for CrossFit? Ted. I've been on a treadmill maybe <laughs> two, three times my whole entire life. Ted is just like – he's like a, a dog in the fact that dog <laughs> – it could be a dog that's been laying there for a week. But then, you know, that car drives by that that dog has to chase. That dog's going to get up and go. Ted doesn't have to run for like years upon end, but if the moment ever presented itself, he could straddle up and probably go peel off a four five or a four six in his sleep. He's scared still got it. The still dog, does. Uh, he does. The dog wouldn't tear a hamstring <laughs> off the bone like I would if I tried to do that, but I appreciate that. Okay, so oh God, this I think that we may just have to call the show the Meatheads because <laughs> What does it say about us? When that's pump? the first thing. That's the first thing that I'm pumped up about. Like, so I'm going to be going. I don't know if I'll go tomorrow. I'll probably go Monday. Um, but I'll be going to the health club. And, you know, it's weird. I asked for a weight bench in the sixth grade. So I wanted for Christmas. I wanted a weight bench because I had one goal in my life. To get a athletic scholarship to play football somewhere. That's all I wanted. That's all I ever wanted. So. I basically said, I'm at least going to do whatever I can to put myself in that situation. And I figured out at an early age, I, there is no way in hell since the sixth grade, I've gone anywhere near this long. I bet I haven't even gone 
half this amount of time without lifting weights. When I tell you I'm jonesing to lay on a bench press and just press some weight off of my chest, I, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm excited for a lot of things, but, like, I need that. Like, it gives me <laughs> – lifting weights is a – it's a release, man. It really is well, almost in a it. therapeutic way. I know you're a 500-pound bencher back no, don't, in the day. Don't pop a peck day one. Just no, no, no. ease back into it. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> now, and my last part, though, is what we will be doing tomorrow. It's my daughter's fourth birthday. Oh, and nice. We're, we're going to have a little shindig, a mermaid birthday, and my mother-in-law is coming from Perry with my father-in-law. My mom's coming over with my niece and nephew, and it'll be the first time that they've been, everyone's been able to actually come together and that they can touch their grandkids. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's been too long, and, and we're all excited a about a little bit Are of a party, but to have the grandparents over. Merman, <laughs> merman, <laughs> merman. Uh, I wish. No, I, I can't say that I am. But that's I've very got, well played, Theodore. I've got the black lung pup. Um, <laughs> who's winning right, I the think, match? I think <laughs> he's an Andy Turner. Um, I, I think that I, I know my wife. We're, Whenever we go to a restaurant, it, it's going to be upper crust here in Oklahoma City. Love it. That's going to be the first one. I, I think that's Hal Smith too. So um, we're going to be in that thing. That's we, she loves it there. So that's that's probably what it's going to be. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm sure people. It'll be a little weird, you know, people bringing you food, wearing a mask and and gloves, and you know, doing all the hygiene stuff and the sanitization stuff they're gonna have to do but you know uh, we gotta we gotta adjust to the new normal um all right now let, let's finish keeping it local off with a couple of questions from the mailbag aka people dming us on twitter now one uh, the first one comes from some guy named toby rowland rowland huh. Toby Roland, I think it's Roland, at T-Row-O-U on Twitter chimes in and says, if you can only order one menu item from one restaurant in Oklahoma, what you got? Mahogany sea bass. Really? I did not see that coming. I was thinking red meat for you all the way. I like that selection. Though. So I'm the son of a butcher, but a little uh, – well-known secret about myself, I'm a sucker for any kind of fish. I like a good filet. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing against it, but a piece of quality fish. Mm. And mahogany has a delightful sea bass that I would destroy. For me, this is so easy. Man, have you guys been to Crew Barbecue? Oh, my gosh, dude. Burnt no, Clark oh Crew Barbecue. Oh, my God. That is Whoa. the best barbecue place in OKC. It is unbelievable. <laughs> I was eating there like twice a week until uh, the uh, quarantine happened. It's unbelievable. Yeah, get the that place. In. That place. That place lives up ends. to the height. It really does. Now, mine would probably be, and it's because everything that comes with it, right? You only get one menu item, but at Tara Mars and Norman. 
you get a bunch of free stuff with that one menu item. <laughs> Smart. Because you get the salsa, the chips, the queso, the tortillas, the soap. That's, that's not what's happening here. But no, you can't, just, they can't do that. You're circumventing the rules. What's game the going system. on here? It, well, it all comes with the one item. So I'd probably go uh, fajita Spoken chicken. Spoken like a true fat offensive lineman. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, yeah. Sir. Fajita chicken enchiladas or just straight up chicken fajitas from Tara Hamara. So thank you to at T-Row-O-U for the question um our our last question uh from the twitter dms this comes from david schweitzer at tornado underscore dave and this I is i think an you're supposed one. to say that last name schweitzer like a, yeah something <laughs> like that <laughs> like a german officer in the military <laughs> it's, it's schweitzer schweitzer if you schweitzer. if you had to move to any small town in oklahoma which town would you choose and why? I will go first. This is easy for me. I'm going to Grove, and it's because Grand Lake. Lake's there. Easy Damn, that's good. choice. They play pretty solid football. Not good enough to beat us in the high school playoffs, if my memory serves me correctly. But they're not terrible, and you get Grand Lake. Sign me up. I think I could probably manage in Grove. The Ridge Runners. Uh, for me, it's easy, too. Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, wow. gentlemen, 3,500 people. Uh, you like the lake? How, how about Lake Tinkiller within a couple of minutes? Lake Fort Gibson within a couple of minutes? Lake Eufaula within a couple of minutes? Greenleaf Lake within a couple of minutes? Come on, Gabe. Let's go. Fort Gibson. And by the way, we used to trash <laughs> Grove every year. Uh, you know what? This is where – first of all, Teddy just chose his hometown, so <laughs> – um, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> he didn't really. He didn't really you go did off the radar. Now I'm from Texas, and I've I've never really fully uh, gotten a grasp of small town Oklahoma geography on the level I should. So I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of take the easy way out. My wife is from Perry, America. Um, some would call it the wrestling mecca of our country. They do have a national record for the most national champion or state championships won. My, I met my wife because my roommate, Jake Hager or Jack Swagger, for you wrestling fans out there, um, introduced me to her in college. And this is what I know about Perry. There's not a whole lot to do, but they're tough. Sounds they're great. hard-nosed, and damn it, they win. So I can get down with that. At the very least, I can feel good about the fact that I could win a state championship and put Perry wrestling. So my winner, the Maroons. All right, boys. Uh, that's keeping it local. And that is a wrap for episode three. Now we will have another episode ready for you guys on Monday and Monday's guest, a six time pro bowl defensive tackle. Gerald McCoy will join us for an interview. Just a reminder, you can hear Dusty from 11 to 2 on WWLS, the sports animal. You can see him on ESPN, News 9. You can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me on Sirius XM, ESPN U Radio, Channel 84, and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Until next time. We appreciate you guys listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.